So good to be here once again. As we have opportunity to come together, it's a great blessing that we're able to take advantage of it. Now, I see Brother Mark is here tonight. I failed to uh, embarrass him this morning because he wasn't here. He made it in the lesson, but he wasn't here, so I just wanted to embarrass you tonight. We're glad you're here. Uh, glad he's back. His wife was here, and she said, wait, Mark wasn't here. So I had to make sure we pointed it out. Each one of you, I'm glad you are here tonight. As I mentioned this morning, uh, Bree, who uh, was here this morning, who is not here tonight because she had to work, said, please preach about life. And so when you get a topic at hand and you start thinking, you're like, well, which way do I go with that? You open the Bible and you start at the very beginning and you go through the end and it's really is all about life. So uh, it left me pretty open to go anywhere I want. And so on the way home today, I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, I think I've went over the last three times that I've spoke. So tonight I'm going to cut it short and I'm going to let everybody out early. Now, the problem is I heard that there's rain coming. So if I let you out early, you would have to walk out to the car in the rain and I wouldn't want that. So as Billy did, I called an audible and I added to it and I said, we'll be sure that we're late. All right, John chapter 11. I'm just messing. I'll try and get you out of here in great time. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is a powerful space in Scripture. In John chapter 11, as many of you know, there's a special verse there that, well, at least I know many of the youth kids have it memorized and it's the first one that they memorize other than Genesis 1-1, and that's because they can never forget how short it is in John chapter 11 and verse 35. We find the verse, Jesus wept. Now, in relation to Jesus wept, there's something that's going on that was important, and that's why we find him weeping. And as you know, in John chapter 11, there is the death of a dear friend. Now, the, tonight as we look at life, I first want to begin by talking about the power of life. Now, what I'm talking about is in the physical realm, there is power of life. You know, if you go back to the very beginning in the creation account, as, jo as God creates man, it says, and he breathed into his nostrils. And what do we see take place? Life. Well, in John chapter 11, we're also going to see power over life. Go ahead and begin with me in John chapter 11 and verse 21. Now, in John chapter 11, where we're picking up in verse 21, Lazarus has already died, and everyone is already crushed about it. Their hearts are hurting and aching, as many of us can understand. When you lose someone you love, someone that's special, it hurts. Now, are you excited for the future? Absolutely, but a lot of times you still feel the hurt of not being here with them. In John chapter 11, beginning in verse 21, it says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I want to notice first, Martha recognizes Christ's power. She says, Jesus, if you'd been here, if only you had been here, Lazarus would still be living. Now, with, with the cases in all of Christ's miracles, he always did it with a purpose. 
I don't believe you ever see a design, you see a time where Christ does a miracle without a purpose. He always has the purpose of man believing. Now, I don't believe he would have just saved Lazarus because he was there just because he was his friend, but rather only if there was a greater purpose than that of the gospel being furthered. Well, and don't worry, because as you look at verse 22, she recognizes deeper the power of Christ than just what we see in verse 21. In verse 22, she says, but wait. She said, even now, she says, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it. So we understand not only does she say, Jesus, I believe that you had the power to save him, but she says, I know still right now, you have great power even with him dead. It's almost as though (laughs) she was preparing the way for Jesus to raise from the dead. You can also notice that her rec- the, the recognition of power in verse 26, if you drop down, it says, and whoever lives, or in verse 26 we have Jesus talking, he says, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now she's going to, to draw it back around, or Jesus draws it back around here as he's questioning her, and we'll go through it and we'll uh, understand verse 26, I guess, as we get to it better. But go ahead and start in verse 23, and we'll look at the resurrection by Christ's power. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. All right, we see the conundrum. We see where we're stuck. He said, if they die, they'll live. But that was only because of it being through Christ. And Martha knew exactly what he was getting at. And that's why she says in verse 24, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. She had no doubt that in following Christ that the resurrection would take place. There was no doubt that those who were saved that lived according to Christ could be risen. They could be raised. And they could one day live in eternity. But as she, she points to it, You get down to verse 26, and Jesus says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. All right, there is a true life, that is eternal life, referenced in verse 26, compared to that of the death that has just taken place earlier in the chapter. And so as we look at this, we see the resurrection that can come by Christ's power. And we're talking about eternal resurrection. But it doesn't stop there because Christ is going to point to His power this day. Right there with Martha, as they're there, we're going to see in the context that Christ shows His power. (laughs) We get down to verse 35. I mentioned it said that Jesus wept and skipped down a little bit further. Uh, He was sad because of the loss of His friend. Go down a little bit further, and we'll see the reducing of Christ's power in verse 37. It says, And some of them said, Could not this man... Notice man being capitalized. Could not this man, meaning could not this God, who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? They said, you know, this man, Jesus, is able to heal the blind and the sick and all numbers of things that they had heard of, the different miracles that taken place. And he said, if Jesus had just been here, could he not have saved him? And you see... You see the wheels turning. You see it's, it's like the push. 
You know, I think of the kids in the youth group when they say, bet you wouldn't lick that dead bird. And then all of a sudden, what do you know? You do something really stupid and I would never do it again, but it happened. I think it was Nick, if I remember right. Uh, he didn't lick it, but he did uh, say, no, he didn't. It was Suge. Okay, uh, ignore that. But it happened. The thing is, sometimes people say, you wouldn't do that, and it pushed them. I told myself I would never mention that in the pulpit, but it just happened. Slipped out. Now, within what's taking place, when we look at verse 37, it's like a prod to Jesus. It's like, well... Jesus, I understand that you had the power to save him, but the problem is he's already dead. All right, now you think back to all the different miracles of Christ. I think of, well, you know, two weeks ago, we, we talked about walking on the water. You know, immediately, we didn't get to this point in the lesson, but immediately after Jesus gets into the ship, we see that they, uh, they arrive at the other side. So, so he was able to surpass time. They didn't have to row to go over there. It's like when Jesus got in, boop, they were at the other side. You see the storm goes away. When Jesus says, says cease to the waters, you, the, the, the winds and the waves, they obey him. We see that Jesus has power over that. We see that Jesus has power over the, uh, the blindness and all the different numbers of sicknesses. And they're like, man, if... Christ, if only you had been here. But don't worry, because as I see in my mind, I feel like Jesus got prodded. He's like, well, you could have. You could have saved him. If only you'd showed up a little bit sooner. Verse 38, he provides. Look at verse 38 and following. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was the cave, and the stone lay against, the, lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who is dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Verse 40, Jesus says, I did not say to you that if you would believe, did I not, I'm sorry, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by. All right. Another opportunity for a miracle. He says, because of all these. I don't believe that Jesus went and said, you know, Lazarus was my great buddy, and so therefore I'm going to raise him. But as he makes reference here, the only reason that he chose to raise him that day is to show his power meaning to show who he was, to validate that he was God in the flesh. All right, so in verse 42 at the end, it says, to show those who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now we see the resurrection that they were really hoping for. Now, they had viewed resurrection as in we can be raised again and go to eternity and have something much better, but they were so much more excited, I guess by now, that, that he could show that he had power over death. So as we think about life, first notice that Christ has the power of life. And what I mean is he had the power to breathe into man's nostrils a breath of life. And all of a sudden we have 
mankind. He had the power when someone was dead to bring them back. You know, when you think about miracles, I think of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 5 when he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or rise up. And all of a sudden you see a lame man that's able to walk. What's the point? Jesus said, I have power over the physical realm. John chapter 11, Jesus says, I have the power over death itself. When you look at all these things, in John chapter 20, if you go forward just a couple chapters, John chapter 20, in verse 30 and 31, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. We see all the purposes behind the miracles. And so not only did Jesus show his power over medical illness, but yet he showed his power over death itself. Now, why is that important? Because when we're talking about spiritual life versus physical life, just like when they said, what's it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise up and walk? The point is, Jesus showed that he had the power to forgive sins. If there is a resurrection, as, as Martha and him are talking, there has to be the ability for Christ to forgive sins or they couldn't have been risen. And so Jesus said, here's the proof. Lazarus, come forth. As they see his life continue, they can know that life goes on even after death, there is a promise of the true resurrection. Now, don't expect Jesus to be bringing you back from the grave to live again right now if you die tomorrow. But understand that because Jesus showed His power with Lazarus, when we do die, the resurrection at the judgment will take place and we... Can be ready. We can be assured of a home in heaven. All right, so we see the power of life. Notice also the purpose of life. And in order to hold true on my word, I'm going to go ahead and speed up some. In, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, we see as you look back over life and Solomon here writing and living and thinking about everything that took place, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What he's saying is, I've done a lot of experiments in my life. I've tried everything I could to figure out how life works, what life is all about. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, I've tried it all. I've had it all. I've lost a fair share. He'd, he'd had struggles. He'd had different things take place. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and to keep His commandments. Within it, within life itself, there's really one point, one purpose, one goal, one ultimate thing that has to be done. He says, fear God and keep His commandments. Now, understand that in our life, it's sometimes difficult to make decisions going forward. It's like, man, what do I decide here? You know, Tyler and James and a couple of us, we always... We always guess which, which football teams are going to win. And you know, on 
Thursday or Friday when I'm picking which one I think is going to win, I feel like I've got pretty good foresight. But let me tell you, if I was able to go back today and pick who was going to win yesterday, I'd have 20-20 vision. I wouldn't miss it. Now, when you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, we're talking about at the end of life. After I've gone through everything that's taken place, he says, now I can tell you what life is about. It took all that time guessing and experimenting and doing the different things that I chose to, and he says, and now I can tell you, really, life's about one thing. Choose to fear God and choose to keep His commandments. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's something much greater. There's reason for following God because we're looking forward to the true resurrection. We don't just want to be raised from physical death back to physical life, but we want to be raised to something that's much greater. You know, I think of Paul as he talked about it. He said, for it's far better. It's a great thing to be able to stand before God at the judgment and hear the words, well done. Look at John 14, just a page or two forward. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas says, whoa. He said, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So he wrote down the directions. He said, how do we get there? So he wrote down the directions. We've got the directions. We've got it all prepared. Jesus said, there is one way to get there. You want to look forward to resurrection? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is one way, and that is the way we choose to follow within the purpose of life. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to live for. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, there's a purpose for a Christian. As a Christian, we've got a special, special purpose. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It says his own special people. That's pretty cool to me. God said his own special people. He's talking about you. He said, you're my special person. His own special people, he said, that you, that you were called out, to, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We, as God's special people, have a greater purpose. We can proclaim His praises. We can look forward to go towards that marvelous light because we're fleeing from darkness. What's that light? Jesus was the true light. And Jesus is the life and the life provider. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship. His creation. It says we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's special person. God created us though so that we could do good. That doing good is essentially the same thing as 
following Christ. Now, don't get me wrong there and thinking, oh, well, so-and-so is a good person, so everything's a-okay. Part of following Christ is doing good. But Christ is always the center point. And we want to keep Him in the proper perspective. All right. We see the power of life, that Christ had the power over physical life. We see the purpose of life, how that really life's only about one thing, and that's putting God first. Notice finally, the giver of life. Christ's role in creation. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, or through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of of men. When you look at this, we see that God, or as we look later, more specifically, Christ had a supreme role in creation. In you ever coming to be, coming to existence, revolved around that of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, pointing to Christ once again, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through Him and for Him. God ultimately had a great role in creation. Not only did He have a role in creation, but then it all changed where He had a role on creation. That means He came to the physical created earth. John chapter 1, 14, as you, you read down through John 1, you get down to verse 14, it says, And the Word, remember at the beginning it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Go down to verse 14, it says, And the Word that we were talking about became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see Christ in the flesh, on the creation, present with mankind, suffering just like man had to suffer, making decisions just like we have to make decisions, and yet he did it perfect, perfectly, without flaw, never messing up, living as the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. I think to John... As John comes preaching, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. He said, This is it. This is the sacrifice. This is why I'm telling you. This is what I'm preaching about. And so John comes and preaches that message. You can go down through John and uh, you can read about his preparation of the way for Christ. So not only do we have Jesus' role in creation, or his role on creation, but notice finally his role for creation. All right. Christ had a purpose. It was God's ultimate purpose before the world ever came into existence. In John chapter 8, and verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We had our light up here this morning, and as you, you look at a light that's on, Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the real light. I'm the light that prevents you from being in darkness. And as you think about spiritually, there is hope because of light. There is hope because the evil wants to get away from the light. And as we strive to live for Christ, the point being, 
We want to get the darkness out. We want to expel the darkness. We want Christ to reign ultimately forever. Finally, in Christ's role for creation, the whole reason that we have a problem is because light and darkness, don't, they don't dwell together. They don't work together. There's no such thing. Because if there's light, there is a lack of darkness. And if there's darkness, it's only dark because there is no light. And so within that, we see in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. All right, so darkness, sin, leads to death. That's what he says. And then we go on a little bit further in the, in the passage there, at the, the end of the verse in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My question tonight is, is your gift in Christ? Is your purpose in Christ? Now, as we began at the beginning, we titled it Life. Understanding that life is all about Christ, so if we aren't living for Christ, let me tell you, you missed it. You missed out on life. You missed out on the purpose. You know, you can get all the money in the world, all the fame in the world. You can have all the different physical great things. There's a lot of things that you can buy and enjoy the great, the great trips and see the great exciting things. In fact, one of the great blessings of life is being able to see the creation that God, God has given. But within all that, if we fail to put God first, we still missed everything. Within God's plan, life revolved around Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I want to ask you, are you planning to go to the Father? And if you are, you've got the guidebook. You've got the directions, and Christ is the way. So I beg of you, if you're not a Christian, it's time to make a change. It's something that's very simple because all you have to do is when we, when we sing this song, there's a moment where, where you can let go of the pew and you can walk to the front and I'll, I'll be up here to talk to you or, or someone else will meet with you. But, but the point being, you, the only reason that would ever happen is because you said in your mind, you said, you know, Jesus was the Son of God. The purpose of life is non-existent without the Son of God and so therefore I'm going to let go of the pew. And then as you begin to let go of the pew, that remember that it's time to change whatever's in your life that isn't Christ-like. So you think back and you say, you know, that sin's really fun, but I'm ready to cut it out. And so you go ahead and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up. Because there's more to life than what sin has to offer. So you let go. That's part of repentance. When you let go, you're making that commitment in your head that I'm no longer in the sinning business. You know, in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, also in verse 5, it says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's a lot of hope in repentance. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when they understood that the one who they had just crucified was the Christ, they said, oh no, what are we, we going to do? In verse 38, they said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So as we let go, we're understanding that Christ is Lord. We're understanding that He's God in the flesh. We're understanding that we're turning from sin. We want to tell, tell all that we believe in Christ. We understand He's the Savior of the world and He is the hope of the world. 
But just as they were told in Acts 2 and verse 38, with our repentance, we also want to tie in just what they did. It said, repent and be baptized. You go down a little further and we say, for the remission of sins, because we got to get sin out of our life. Remember what breaks up the light and the darkness? Sin. Wages of sin is death. And so we've got the gift of God that we can access through the watery grave of baptism. And then ultimately, from that point on, you're in the army. You're in the Lord's army. As you set forth to battle and you go forth into the world, understand that you're out there to help the world to come and see the light that you have seen. If you haven't given your life to Christ, make a change right now. Come as we stand and sing.